Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, January 17th edition of the Basement Academy. Before we dive back into our uh, study, our generation to generation, passing on the faith, and, and kind of reflecting out of where I, where I started yesterday, kind of the great de-churching, I, I want to read a psalm. It, it's not an easy psalm, and it asks some really hard questions, but it's an, an important and very poignant psalm. When it feels like life isn't working and God isn't with us, God is with us, but when it feels like God is not with us, we sometimes need a psalm like Psalm 77 to, to lift our voices and, and be honest before the Lord. So Psalm 77, a, a psalm of Asaph. I cried out to God for help, and I cried out to God to hear me. When I, was, when I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused and my spirit inquired, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples, and with your mighty arm you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world and the earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Hmm. Recalling the Exodus, right? God parting the waters, his path led through the sea, Moses leading them out. And so the psalmist in some crisis, some trial, asking these deep existential questions, has God forgotten to be merciful? Will he never show his favor again? Has he in anger withheld compassion? So when we are in a tough spot... <laughs> We wonder, has God somehow forsaken me? And so this psalm invites that kind of honest uh, questioning before God, but it also reminds us, ah, appeal to the years of the right hand of the Most High. God's miracles, his wonder-working power, he is for us and he's demonstrated that. So 
I say that as backdrop to picking up the topic again. What do we do when the next generation doesn't want the baton we pass? It doesn't want the light that we are has, you know, passing on, the torch the, 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 of the faith, the light of Christ. And they say, I don't think I want to go to church. I don't think I want any of that. And so I said there are reasons people quit going to church. They quit on God. They quit on Christ. They, they, they turn their back. And so let me unpack just what I think are, are some potential reasons. I can't, I can't prove this, but, but I believe we can find stories that, that, that will reflect it. The, the, the first would be this, the, the sins of the fathers. Uh, the language of Scripture in our Ten Commandments, when speaking about idolatry, you shall not make a graven image or an idol. Uh, the, 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 the pronouncement goes on, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, that is these idols, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. And so when we turn away from God, maybe not aware that we're turning away from God because idolatry has a religious expression to it, right? I'm still worshiping, but I'm not worshiping faithfully. I'm not worshiping accurately as God has ordained. There are consequences to that. And so, so when, we, when we lose focus on God, we no longer are worshiping God alone and we substitute other realities in there there are consequences. And so people may be reacting to false worship, idol worship, worship gone astray in the Christian church. There may be other sins of the fathers that get visited. So where Christians are abusive physically, emotionally, sexually, verbally, in other ways, a, a Christian father, a Christian mother, they go to church, they go to Bible study, but they are at home a very bad person <laughs> and destructive of uh, relationships and of children uh, and, and of intimacies and that which is proper and good and protecting uh, children and others. That kid's not going to go to church. If that's what Christians do, my mom and dad were doing that stuff, I want nothing to do with the church. If the church won't hold its own accountable, right? And so I think that, that's a hard one to say, but the scriptures, I think, point in that direction. Going alongside that would be the church uh, in the way in which it can become blind to its own hypocrisies. We become, we accommodate our own patterns of belief and practice. Um, we become habituated to our own preferences for how I look at life, right? And so the church can wed itself to a political party. And this can happen on both sides of the aisle. This is not just a conservative thing or a progressive liberal thing. It's not a Republican thing or a Democrat thing. It's a human thing. The zealots of old were those who wanted to grab the reins of power. We're going to overthrow the government and establish a godly government. And so humans and Christian humans have had these impulses from the beginning. And so no different today. It's when Christians of either political stripe, either political party, believe the most important thing we can do is grab the reins of power in the White House and the Senate and the Congress and the State House. Um, 
this is hypocritical because we affirm a kingdom beyond this world. We do not look to the government for salvation. We do not look to the government to set things right. We look to God alone to set things right. I'll have plenty more to say about this as the election year gets going, but that is one hypocrisy. The hypocrisies of race. Let's just, let's just lift that up. The history of the church in America is one fraught with hypocrisy. White slave owners would go to church. I think the only legitimate Christian reason to purchase a slave is to liberate them, to emancipate them, right? I'm going to go buy that person so I can set them free so somebody else won't have them. Now, I'm not suggesting it, but I'm saying in the history of America, that would have been the only reason to have purchased a person because our faith says that all men are created in the image of God, all humans. And so Christians participated sadly and tragically in a great hypocrisy, in a great um, evil and, and injustice uh, with slavery. Um, I think you could talk about uh, the ways in which Christians pursue entertainment and worship and pursue uh, power and politics and money and the like. You know, we've already mentioned the politics. Um, the blind eye that got turned towards sexual abuse in, in the church. Um, th those are examples of hypocrisies that the church turns the blind eye too, but others can see. And they say, if you're not going to hold your own accountable, if you're not going to live the faith you profess, I, I quit you. And so I think that's a, a, that's a real struggle. Uh, the culture around us is no friend to the faith. Uh, the culture deceives us. It tempts us away from the truth uh, towards lies, and it catechizes us unto lies. Uh, um, the most recent or a current uh, manner in which the, the, the culture is catechizing, by catechizing mean teaching the faith. The culture is catechizing this society, particularly our young people, into an alternative way of looking at life. What humanity is, what human sexuality is. So the whole gender ideology thing that we spoke of last, that was fall, I guess it was, at length. In the beginning, God made them male and female, and they are still only male and female. So a biblical, theological, biological fact that doesn't require faith to affirm, right? There are many um, non-Christian scientists who are affirming the human fact of biology in two sexes, a sexual binary in the human family that themselves are getting canceled and, and demoted and, and, and fired from their jobs or being silenced. This is not necessarily a Christian thing, but the world is catechizing us towards something that is a, a lie. And so when the church stands up and proclaims male and female and only practices marriage between man and woman, well, people hear that message of the church and because of the deception and lies uh, and the catechizing of the world says, well, if that's what the church is about, then I want nothing to do with the church because the world is more accepting than the church is. Well, possibly. But that acceptance may not be based on truth, right? And so, again, there's some nuance of, of challenge that we have to t tease out here. But this is a reason people quit the church and quit on God is because they have been completely won over by the culture 
and, and sadly, I think that is happening more and more, particularly with the millennials and Gen Z, as uh, we talked about. And then there's the old problem of wineskins, right? The old wineskins, the parable Jesus told. Uh, he comes to bring a new message. He comes to bring a new covenant and, and inaugurate the kingdom of God on earth uh, through his own life, death, and resurrection. And Jesus told the parable about those, the folly of pouring new wine into old wineskins. And the, that new wine, as it ferments, it will, it will burst, excuse me, the old wineskin. I believe he's calling into question the old wineskin of Judaism, Pharisaic Judaism, that had become ossified, had become hardened. The Sabbath was made for man, Jesus tells us. It was a, a, a time to rest. We labor six days as God did, and then we rest on the seventh and give our worship and tribute. We, we are refreshed in body, mind, and spirit. We enjoy family time, recreation. We, 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 we pray and we play. We are renewed, and then we go back to labor. But over time, the tradition of the elders grew up, and to keep the Sabbath now meant you can only go so far, and you can only lift, you know, button so many buttons on your blouse, and you can't cook, and you can't, there are certain things you can't do, and all of a sudden, the tradition of elders made void the Word of God, Jesus said. You Pharisees have made void the Word of God, rendered it null, impotent, because of your traditions of men. And so Jesus comes and heals on the Sabbath and they are apoplectic and say, we've got to get rid of him. And so that's an expression of old wineskins that we read in scripture. What I mean by it in a contemporary way is when we confuse the form of our faith, forms of our faith with the substance of the faith. The easiest way to look at this would be like Sunday morning church music. There are some churches where you can only sing with a pipe organ. And there are some churches you can only sing with a rock band. And this happens both ways. It's not just traditional organ hymn singing churches criticizing contemporary praise band churches. It goes both ways. Greenwich, thankfully, we've avoided a lot of that. You know, we'll pull out the guitar and we'll sing some newer songs. We'll uh, we'll sing our, our, our hymns. But if we think you can only sing a hymn to the pipe organ or only sing a hymn to a praise band or a contemporary song to a praise band, we've now made the form of the faith, the form of worship, as a substitute for the essence and substance of worship. Okay, And so the issue of wineskins, the church's unwillingness or resistance to change, to adapt to a younger generation who doesn't grow up listening to pipe organs, who doesn't go and listen to people standing in black robes and speaking in preacher kind of voices. You know, preachers who maybe have open collars and, you know, there's a, a different way of coming at the Sunday morning uh, gathered uh, experience that Form versus substance is another reason I think people may be leaving the church. So, so let me just close out with this. And it's the notion of how difficult it is to be honest about these things. I'm naming them for you, for your consideration, 
may these, may hypocrisy and, and deceptions and lies and, and old wineskins never find root and never find a place at Greenwich Presbyterian Church. May we always be supple and flexible and adaptable and fresh and holding on to the substance of the faith while, uh, you know, adjusting the manner in which we express that faith. And, and by God's mercy, we will repent of our sins lest we curse our children, right? And so the difficulty of being honest about these things and the difficulty and the challenge of real, heartfelt, personal change. The problem is we tend to prefer ourselves over others. And sadly, older people often, you know, we think we've been around, well, we have been around longer, so we prefer our way of doing things over a younger person's way of doing something. And so we prefer our own traditions, our own customs, our own tastes, our own predilections, our own desires for a certain kind of music or uh, sermon or some other expression. And, and then it's just our own habits. We are creatures of habit. And, and so it's a struggle to look in the mirror and examine ourselves. We, most of us resist the hard work of self-examination and change. And, I, and I'll raise my hand as, as chief of sinners. I like the world the way I like it. I like my church the way I like it. I like songs the way I like them. I like Bible studies the way I like them. I like prayer times the way I like them. And, you know, well, that may not work for you. Well, that's okay. You can just go find another church. Well, guess what? <laughs> it's not that they're going to find another church. They're quitting church altogether. And so let me invite you to reflect on what I've presented here. Some of these reasons are, I, I hope I'm not striking close, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I'm trying to call us all out, that we would be thoughtful, humble, wise, compassionate, faithful Christians, which allows for new forms which allows for honest conversation about things we've done or left undone at Greenwich or in our own lives that somehow could be a deterrent from somebody who wishes to follow the Lord. And so let me in invite us all to a season of reflection, self-examination, repentance, confession as needed. And let us do the hard work of change. I know people talk about the, the common phrase is people fear the unknown or they fear change because they fear the unknown. I've become convinced it's not that we fear the unknown, it's that we know a change is going to make me work. I'm going to come in and I'm going to have to learn something. I'm going to have to not just rely on habit. I'm going to have to think. I'm going to have to pay attention. Uh, you know, an example, when, when we were doing those two chair sermons during COVID, Eric and I would sit in two chairs or we would sit with an elder and it was a conversational sermon. It, it, it first started because of COVID and we were trying to fit in the field of view of the camera and stay six feet apart, right? So that's where it started. We weren't smart enough to figure it out. We were forced to it. And we heard so many people say how much they enjoyed that. 
it, it really was stimulating to hear their pastors come at the passage from two different minds and two different voices and really helpful. But we also heard some people, it's not a real sermon unless you're standing at the pulpit. That is the form of worship. A pulpit-delivered sermon is a form of worship, not the substance. And so that's, that's an example. And we still do that from time to time, as you know. And so let me invite all of us to examine ourselves. Have I embraced a, a way of being a Christian that somehow unwittingly has become a deterrent for somebody to actively come to church and pursue church? Is my way of practicing the faith somehow actually you know, providing a barrier from others from participating? May it never be so. Uh, and may we at Greenwich always, always be open to what God the Spirit is, is leading us to in, in new ways. So let's close with prayer and uh, we'll pick up tomorrow and we'll talk about some remedies, okay? If, if your children or grandchildren are not picking up the faith, we'll talk about some ways and some suggestions of how we can encourage faith in them. Let's pray. And so, Father, we offer ourselves afresh in humility. Grant us the grace of repentance. Grant us the grace of self-examination and honesty, honesty with ourselves first. And grant us the grace of change and new habits and new, new ways of following Jesus. And so we cling to him, that old rugged cross, and we cling to your word. But Lord, with everything else, help us to, to hold loosely, lest our lives be that which somebody points to as the reason they no longer believe or attend church. Lord, help us to lead people to you and, and to the, the faithful community. As we pray in the name of the Savior, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God in his kindness and compassion draw close to you, give you eyes to see your own life and your own behavior and your own attitudes. May, may God give you grace to embrace all the change and growth that he wishes to come about in your life. May he do it this day and forevermore. Amen.